You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Y'all have to excuse my voice. The pollen count has got me. This last week it was brutal. I think somebody said that uh, the pollen count is worse than it's been in six years. And uh, man, I believe it. Last week I couldn't even talk. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm way ahead of the game today. But I uh, want to welcome you to Resurgent ATL. We have got, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to do a shout out because I, I see that my guys forgot to do this. But uh, we got a birthday in here today, Mr. Barry Dobson. Oh, you did it? Where was I, Barry? Hey, happy birthday. All right. Three people. We have to, who are the other three people? Raise your hand. Happy birthday. America. America, it's your birthday too? Oh, man, tomorrow. Man, I am so behind the curve. Well, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. But, uh, well, happy birthday, guys. Love y'all so much. Um, well, this morning, I, w- I want to go into, a, into a, uh, a subject that can be, it can be hard, but in the context of what I want to share in uh, with honor, it's, it's a really great thing if we reflect on it in the, in the, light, in the right light. And uh, that's how to honor long-term relationships. And uh, this is a big deal. I mean, it's, it's a really big deal. So I want you guys to close your eyes for a minute. And we just want to pray before we get started. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for, you know, who you are, what you did, the truth of who you are. That God, that would just have an impact in our lives. And I pray that all of us would have ears to hear. But more importantly, that God, we would receive with our hearts today. And this wouldn't be something we just hear and then move on. That this will become something that becomes a massive foundation in our life. So, Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. And I say amen. Everybody say amen. You know, one of the toughest things that we have in our lives while we're on this planet is relationships. Would everybody have to agree with that one? It's one of the toughest things. Why? Because we can't control people. And uh, that might be a new one for you, but I tell you what, there's a lot of people that think that they can control other people. And the thing about relationships is, it is so difficult because we can't control what they're going to say. We can't control what they're going to do. We we can't control how they're going to act. And that's scary. You know, that's just scary because it becomes this thing where we're, we're afraid to engage and, and really get connected with people because we're afraid of the reaction we're going to receive or the response we're going to receive. And, um, you know, it's, it's uh, relationships are some of the most incredible things that can be imparted into our lives. And if we're willing to work at it and, and put the hard work in and be intentional with it, the fruit that's going to come out of it is going to be amazing. Everybody said Amen. You know, Chris Valentin, he talks about when you find your tribe, you find your destiny. And really what he's saying is when you find relationships, you find your destiny. Not just tribe. The tribe is people. So when you find relationships, you find your destiny because we're all a part of one another. And we all benefit from each other. And if we don't learn how to navigate relationships in this life... It's going to be a real bummer. And, and sometimes it is a bummer. You know, and even when we do it right, 
Sometimes there are challenges that are involved with it. But it's okay because God's with us in the middle of this thing. You know, in, in order to sustain supernatural relationships, we must first recognize, um, we got to first recognize that the very foundation of family, uh, of heaven is family. It's, it's that the government of heaven is about family. The Father God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was the model that we had from the very beginning. And as we go after who He is in the supernatural, we go after this thing called family, we, we are supposed to go after, the, we're supposed to model this and we're supposed to reflect this to the world. Listen, it's, 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 un, it's, it's a supernatural thing. When we say supernatural relationships, you cannot do relationships in the natural. You can but, but it's, it's going to be very, very tough. It is supernatural. It is a supernatural thing. And, uh, you know, we have to move. We have to move from this place of this mentality. And I see it all over Facebook. You see it all over. People chasing signs, chasing signs and wonders. They're chasing a visitation. We have to move from a place. And I love what Papa Leif says, Leif Hetland. He says, we have to move from a place of visitation to habitation. We don't live, we no longer live in, in an Old Testament covenant. We live in the New Testament. Old Testament covenant was visitation. And when you got a visitation from God in the Old Testament, it was usually because you needed one because they were messing up. I, I believe that visitation, even though God moves in visitation mightily, I still, in my opinion, I think it's the lowest form of encountering God. I think the highest form of encountering God is in habitation. Because in habitation, it's not just every now and then. It's every day, 24-7. We have the ability to press in to the presence of God. That's what the difference is between habitation and visitation. Uh, John 14, 16. If you've got your Bibles, turn there for me. You know, it's a good thing to have your Bible. Do you know that? I'm going to chase a rabbit trail here just real quick because I can. Uh, everybody's supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, it talks about in the end times. At the end, in the end times, there will be people, you'll hear wars, rumors of wars, people falling away, and there'll be a great deception. Right? Well, let me tell you something. It is a good thing. I was sitting there going, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. <laughs> No, it's not fourteen sixteen. Let me tell you the reason why there are going to be so many people deceived in the last days is because they don't know this. And I'm telling you, it's getting that way right now. And, and why? And, and I'm fixing up. I'm not. I'm not going against this. It's because of this thing. We, we, we use this as a Bible. I, I'm not against this. It's just good to check, get references and all that. But there's something about having a Bible in your hand because what does it do? It validates who God is in your life. And, and having a Bible and spending time in the Word, it creates this account in your life that when you need to get a, when you need to make a withdrawal, it's there to do so. And if we don't know the Word and we don't study the Word, and you know, I, I'm not this Bible reader guy that wants to get up here and tell you, you know, Word, Word, Word. But I'm telling you, it's, it's massively important in our lives. And we will not be deceived if we read the truth. 
We won't be. Because why? Because we see the truth, we're reading the truth, and we have the, the one true one living on the inside of us. The people that get deceived, and the ones I'm watching even today that are getting deceived, a lot of you... You know, a lot of younger people, but older people too, are the ones that have fallen away from, from studying for themselves and are just listening to, you know, just stuff on social media or just talks or, you know, just whatever. We have got to stay grounded in the Word. Okay, I'm enough of that rabbit trail. So, looking at this thing, we're moving from visitation to habitation. John 14, 16. It says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another. Advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Say, He leads me into all truth. The world, the world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and it doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him. I love this part. This is Jesus talking in third person because He lives with you now and later will be in you, which He's referring to when He. When he rose to the to the right hand of the Father, that he was sending another, the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Those who accept my commandment, going down to twenty one, those who accept my commandments and obey them, and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know. We are living in a, when we live from a place of habitation rather than from just visitation, we are living from a place where the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. And He is with us 24-7. We have access to that on a regular basis. We just have to lean into it. And we have to talk to the Holy Spirit. We have to ask Him questions. We have to communicate with Him. We have to create this relationship. And that's sometimes that's tough because we get busy doing things all the time. But this is, this is where supernatural relationships, you bring the supernatural part in, it's supernatural because we have the Holy Spirit who's partnering with us to make these relationships work out. And so we don't want to just have an encounter. We want to be in a place where we're constantly fellowshipping with Him on a daily basis, on a regular basis, and Him speaking into our hearts and our life. You know, when we talk about relationships, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees said over in Matthew to Jesus, Matthew 22, 37, 38, they said, teacher, what's the great law? You know, what's the greatest of the laws? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, my soul strength. And he said, the second one is even is equal is equal or second to the first one is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's a big deal. You know, when we talk about relationships, we've got to get to a place. If we're not loving people the way Jesus would love them, there's a problem with us. There's something there in us that possibly we don't like about ourselves. Because if we love ourselves and we take care of ourselves and we know how valuable we are, we will treat other people with the same equal respect and value. When we don't, that's a massive indicator that there's something going wrong on the inside of us. And we need, to, we need to fix that. And in churches today, all across America, this is a huge problem. It's, it's a huge problem. You know, um, Ephesians 3, 14 and 15 says, Paul's talking and he says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, say the whole family, from whom the whole family, where? 
in heaven and on earth is named. Listen, we have, genetically, we have been imprinted. With, and we've genetically been brought into, into the Lordship of Christ. His blood has made us children of God. And it's just like you, when you have your natural kids, genetically, your kids look like you. Why? Because genetically, they're a part of you. We're genetically to look just like Him. When we have the new birth encounter with Him, we give our lives to Him, we immediately trans we, we move over from being, being a creature of old habits and being this old thing to bringing this new thing and receiving a new life. And in receiving a new life, we begin to reflect what that new nature looks like. And we're supposed to look like Him. We're supposed to look like Jesus. And when we're not looking like Him, there, there's, something that's, there, there's something that's off there. And so, you know, uh, the kingdom of God is realized in our lives. It's realized in our lives when uh, the more we learn how to honor and express God's designs in our, for our spiritual family and relationships with him and one another. He designed it for us to have this relationship with one another. And the kingdom gets advanced when we lean into that truth. And we put it on a high level of importance. And it becomes really massively a big deal. That it becomes the main thing in front of us in our lives. Relationships. His relationships. The people. The, the, the children. The brothers and the sisters. The people of God. That's a massive. That's a massive important thing. It's a massive important job for us. To keep our relationships intact with everybody. Listen. There's two features of our spiritual family. That we must honor in order to think and act from a framework of family. And the first one is, <laughs> excuse me, that our spiritual family is permanent and chosen by God. Our spiritual family is permanent and chosen by God. Now, let me say this. You can think, oh man, that's a bummer. Because there's some people I just have a hard time with. Well, let me tell you something. I, I, think in the, I think in the natural, we have people in our families, uh, and of course I didn't have a big family, so it's, it's not, I, I don't have to relate to it this way because I never had it. But there are many of you that have had big families or, or somewhat big families, and there are people in your families that you don't particularly, let me just put it in a really mild way, like. There are people in your extended family that there's that crazy aunt or that crazy uncle or that person that's really difficult. And so kind of what you succumb to is you give yourself, you know, you make these statements because I've heard these statements from people's mouths. Oh, that's just, you know, Cousin Lucy, she's crazier than a bed bug. And, you know, she's nutty. She causes problems in the family. And, oh, we love her, but, you know, we'd disown her if we could. And it's like, you really meant that. You really meant that. And I, I think we give ourselves in our natural relationships, I think we give ourselves sometimes permission to create distance with somebody because it's difficult. And what happens is then we get saved and we move over into this higher dimension and we move over into this area where we're supposed to be, we're all together because we're all part of God, God's family. And we give ourselves permission to distance ourselves from certain people in the body because of the same reason. They might be difficult. They might be challenging. 
Uh, they might not be like us. They, they might have some things you can relate to, but there are a lot of things that you can't relate to. And so therefore, you give yourself permission. Oh yeah, we love them. They're a part of the body. But you never engage with them. Listen, this is the thing that's keeping the body of Christ weak. I'm telling you right now, this is. This is the thing that's keeping the body of Christ weak. And, um, you know, we've, we've got to get an understanding that it is that God's family is a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and in the natural, our natural families, some of us had matriarchs that would say, oh, that's not okay. You can't act like that towards that person. That's not okay. But for the, for the most part, you don't have anybody policing you and your natural families telling you who you should shun and who you should love. But can I tell you something? We've been taking communion for the last four weeks and we've been talking about that in God's family, there are consequences. There are consequences when you shun people. Not only in the, not even in the now, but eternal consequences. When we do not connect with our brothers and sisters and we purposely create distance and connection. Now, I know this isn't popular, but I want you to know it's the truth. And it's keeping us weak as a group, as a, as a family, and as a tribe, and as those that want to go out and advance the kingdom. And, and you know, we want to, you know, speak in tongues, get up and prophesy, get up and show all these gifts, but we don't want to love the person next to us. And we don't want to go the distance with the person next to us. We don't want to create this, this intimacy, this relationship. Can I tell you, if we get this right, the family part, the supernatural will become second. It'll, it'll become secondary just in nature. It'll start happening when we don't even expect it. It's going to happen. Why? Because of extreme levels of honor and extreme levels of love. Because the supernatural shows up when it's moved by compassion and moved by love. Jesus did everything from a place of love and relationship and compassion. Not, we didn't, he didn't do anything as checking, him, checking off his, his work list, his, his to-do list. You know, he did everything from a place of there was a grace on his life to do relationships. It's just amazing. It's, just, it's something that's amazing. Let's read. I want to read into uh, and show you about why it's such a big deal in the body of Christ. Why God's, why God's family is such a big deal. And uh, if you'll go to 1 Corinthians um, uh, 12, 12, 12. I'm going to read you about the body. It says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the, the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. But we have all been, say we've all been, baptized into one body, one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Did you get that? We're all one. Now if you jump over to 18, it says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. Mm, interesting. I don't value your, your part. Well, that's too bad, because God does. So who's wrong? You or God? I think it's you. I think it's me. We better start learning how to value the parts. Okay? God has put each part of us where He wants. How strange, though, a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, Hand, I don't need you. 
The head can't say to the feet, feet, I don't need you. Now you jump down to 27. It says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Each one of us are valuable. Each one of us have a part of Christ's body. And each one of us have a purpose while we're here on this earth. We need to understand that there are eternal consequences when we don't value and honor God's body. And then we jump back over here in 1 uh, Corinthians 12 and Paul's talking about taking communion. He says, for every time you eat this bread, drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily in a guilty manner is sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Okay? So this is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and have even died. So here, here he is telling you, even in a new covenant, uh, uh, you know, in this new covenant, there's a consequence to you having unforgiveness or you have this thing of uh, you are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, indifferent with people. There's a consequence for that because it's not the heart of the Father. We are in charge of us. We are in charge. We have choices. Listen, we moved from the Old Testament where, where everything was done through the law. There was consequences based on punishment over into the New Testament where now we have all this freedom and grace and mercy and forgiveness. But we, and, and now it's on us. We, we have the freedom whether to do it or not to do it. It's a big deal. Yes. It's a big deal. And you know what? It, it feels like a lot of times that we just go on in our merry way just not honoring people and not valuing people and, and there's no sense, there doesn't seem like there's any consequences. So we don't really think about it. But the consequence is you're living your life without getting to experience another part of the body that can add value to you. Yeah, come on. Okay? You know, one of the biggest challenges we face with honoring others is being able to recognize the things that we don't see as valuable in their lives. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's hard to recognize sometimes the things in other people's lives that we don't immediately see as valuable. It's easy to spot the good stuff. It's easy to spot the easy stuff. It's a little harder when you go past that. You know, honor, real honor is being able to celebrate people with it for who they are without stumbling over who they're not. That's real honor. And, and for us to move into a place where we start seeing real unity in the body, we're going to have to change this. You know, Danny, I love what Danny says. He says, we tend to honor ourselves and other people. We tend to honor ourselves. What did he mean by that? Like, you know, it's like Tony here. I love Tony. Tony and I have been friends for a long time. And there's some things in Tony's life that remind me of me. And I'm like, oh, when I first met Tony, I was like, man, what is it about Tony I just really like? Oh, yeah. He reminds me of me. <laughs> and I just love me some me. I just love me some me. Man, Tony, you're awesome. But what happens when he quits acting like me? Then I got a problem. Why? Because he's not acting like me anymore. He's acting like Tony. 
So I have a hard time sometimes honoring things that go past the things that I can only recognize that look like me in another person's life. You know, we tend to only honor ourselves and other people when we see that. But when we have, when we have to dig a little deeper and then the surface to go find the gold in people's lives, that's when many of us, including myself, have missed it. And we miss seeing the real value. We have to learn how to be patient and, and look for the uniqueness and the creativity in the body of Christ, okay? Without allowing the familiarity of their person to overshadow the benefits of their greatness. We can't always just look for the sensational. We need to also look at, we also need to look for the common as well. Familiarity breeds indifference. And it will kill honor in a heartbeat. And let me, let me give you an example of that. Jason and I have known each other a long time too. And Jason and I work together a lot. And there's been times when we've gotten, in, we've gotten into conversations or we're arguing about something. And then immediately, I'm not honoring Jason anymore. Matter of fact, Jason and I are going at it. And I'm dishonoring Jason now because I'm not treating him like he's valuable. I'm treating him like he's just, uh, that's just Jason. It's not, it's not the guy, I, I, you know, it's not the guy that, I, I, the, the great things of the guy that I really love, it, he's just become common now. He's just become common, and now he's become familiar, and now I just treat him the way I want to treat him, because I've turned off my honor, and I've turned off, I've turned off my love, because of familiarity. You know, it's like when we date, we didn't date. <laughs> It's like, it's like when Terry and I dated. <laughs> I got hey, I, I I I <laughs> Don't leave. <laughs> it, man, it's like when you were dating your wives. I'm, I'm fixing to get real here. So you guys, like, this is a good opportunity to punch your husband. In love. In love. It's like when I was first dating my wife. I, man, I was on my A game. I came, I brought it, I treated her with reverence, respect, and honor. Treated her like, man, she was a prize. Uh, you know, just, you know, maybe huh? a queen. But you know, then you get married, you, 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 get, you catch their hearts, you win their hearts, you get married, and then what happens? Things start getting just natural again. You know, we forget to we begin to forget the things that we saw that were so amazing in that person. And familiarity sets in. And familiarity breeds contempt. And when you start just saying, oh, that's just blah, 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 and you're not treating them with honor and faith and, and with a, with a value, then you just you just let things fly. And you let things loose. And you don't manage yourself anymore. You just anything that comes in your mind, you just say it. And it brings dishonor. And so there's times, I mean, Terry and I have had to do this too, but Jason and I especially, because we're pretty strong personalities, but I'll look at Jason and I'll say, hey man, we're dishonoring one another right now. We've become too familiar with one another. We need to hit the reset button. Haven't we? And both of us have done it. We've both said, okay, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to act like that. And then I have to go back and go, man, what is it about Jason that I really, so I, I tell God, hey, I really value this in Jason. And then that brings me back to, to level. So it's this, it's this, you know, 1 John 1 9 is not for the sinner. 1 John 1 9 is for the Christian. If we are faithful to confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So as soon as we do something that's stupid and it brings disconnection, it's our job to maintain our hearts and to say, God, I'm sorry, I repent. I ask you to forgive me for doing that. Set, set me back on the right path. And you know what? He will every single time. Every single time. 
<laughs> Here's a core value I, I want to read. It says, we honor and celebrate diversity in the truth. And God has chosen us as members of his eternal family by working to preserve and protect relationships. We preserve and we protect relationships. Listen, the second feature we must be aware of in order to honor the framework of family is while God is the eternal father of our family, he passes spiritual inheritance from generation to generation. Not with just natural fathers and mothers, but also with spiritual mothers and fathers, okay? It passes from generation to generation. And, uh, you know, in Exodus, I think it's Exodus 20 years, I can't remember where the verse is, but it says this verse applies to what we're talking about, that we honor our parents. When we honor our parents, whether physical, natural parents or spiritual parents, our life will be long and it will go well with us. Listen, God put that model in place for, for us to be under a family so that we can respect that family, we can honor that family because that's blessing comes through that family. And then when you move over to the spiritual realm, there's so much blessing that comes out where the natural parents can't might, might not possibly be able to bring blessing in certain areas. There's an eternal blessing that comes through spiritual parents. And it's so important for us to honor that. You know, we have to carry a value to, re uh, to receive, develop, and pass on spiritual inheritance to the next generation. We need to ask ourselves, what legacy, what legacy are we leaving? Uh, are we leaving one of love and honor or one of indifference and dishonor? You know, what imprint are we leaving? You know, I said genetic imprint, but what imprint are we leaving? I got a story talking about imprinting, and I don't want to get into the the whole science of it, because I'm not smart enough to give you the great answer for it. But we talk about imprinting. I had, a, when I was a kid, <clears throat> I was probably eight, seven or eight, I found this little baby duck, and he was by himself. And a little baby duck. I don't know if his mom got run over by a car. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the, the duck was just there, and I found it, down by a lake, you know. There was no, I looked for the mother, I couldn't find the mother. So I basically took the duck. Well, that duck, he looked like a duck, he quacked like a duck, he swam like a duck. But you know, after a period of two or three weeks of hanging out with me and my dog, that duck started acting like a dog. It began to lay with my dog, it began to walk on a leash like a dog, it slept with my dog, it thought it was a dog. Why? Because of imprinting. It, it was disconnected, it was, it was, it was torn away from, I didn't care. But it was torn away from its mother. I could have. Who knows, man? I, I was a big kid. I mean, I don't today. But that duck didn't have other ducks to be around to know what it meant to be a duck. And you know, that's you know, that's that whole imprinting thing. You know, and many of us have grown up in relational environments where punishment was used to control wrong and hurtful behavior. And we learned that when we messed up, people would get angry. They would withhold their love. Uh, they, or they'd find other ways to hold what we had done over our heads for a long time so that we would never do it again. And, you know, this becomes the model that carries over into our adult lives. And it becomes imprinted on our perspective of who God is and who God is, that God becomes a punisher and he becomes a withholder. This is what gets imprinted on you if, the, if your whole, if this whole thing doesn't get changed and your whole perspective doesn't get changed. 
You know, it even spills over into when when you're moving into church with other people. They they've imprinted they've been imprinted on the same level. They've had the same things happen to them. You've got leaders that same thing has happened to them. And what happens? They begin to imprint that on their body. They begin to it begins to be imprinted on the people that come into their church. I mean, and that's the truth. I've seen it. You know, you see people who get up and they preach, and they they preach against sin, or they preach against a particular subject, but yet the church is struggling with it massively. Why? Because typically the leader's struggling with it. And you and you, and you teach what you know, but you impart who you are. You teach what you know, but you impart who you are. You know, we got Christians who are coming in, and they look like Christians, they talk like Christians. But they're modeling something all together. They're just like that duck. They look like it. They talk like it. They have all the... But, but, but they're, they're, not, they're not doing it. They're not modeling what true Christianity looks like. Which means to honor uh, relationships. And to walk with massive, uh, massive value for people. You know, punishment is driven by fear and creates really fragile relationships. Uh, in, in which the, le the level of trust is really low and the level of anxiety is extremely high. I remember when I feared being punished, my anxiety level was just through the roof. And this was just like 10, 15 years ago. I'm not talking about when I was a kid. I'm talking about when I was in the church serving under different leadership. Because I, that was the model that was being modeled for me. I was constantly in this place of anxiety. Because I was fearful of being punished. Does, it, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. I was just wondering if I was the only one in here. Um, you know, First John, listen, sons and daughters of God, however, however, are not driven by fear. They are, they are driven by love. Let me say it again. Sons and daughters of God, children of God, are not driven by fear. They're driven by love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We no longer live in a, dis we no longer live in a dispensation of law where everything was consequences and punishment. We now live in a dispensation of grace where we have freedom and, the, and, and love and forgiveness. Two different dispensations. Two different ways we can, we can, we can react to it. But um, Jesus paid the penalty for sin and he bore its punishment and its wrath so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus bore the punishment that we were supposed to receive so that we don't have to. That sounds like, oh, revelation, but listen, it, it is, it's like people don't know this. They still feel like they're under this thing of condemnation. And oh, I, I deserve to be punished. No, you do not deserve to be punished. You don't. Because Jesus paid for your, for your sin. Now there's consequences to everything. You might have to go back and clean up some stuff, but that's okay. God gives you grace and He gives you the ability to be able to do that. There's no, there's no judgment in that. There's no uh, accusational statement in that. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. That's why Jesus is a part of our lives. That's why He's covering our lives. You know, Jesus responds in perfect love. And uh, that love is complete. And uh, even when we have we res his response to our bad decisions or sin 
is with truth, humility, vulnerability, and forgiveness rather than punishment and control. You know, we have to remove the spirit of the accuser and the, and the punisher if we are going to if we are going to create long-lasting relationships. And, I, and guys, I'm going to tell you, I used to do it. I, I'd punish people when they, they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Or when somebody did something I didn't like, I would withhold my love. You know, I'd withhold my love or I'd give them the cold shoulder. Nobody in here has ever done that, right? <laughs> what is that? That's the spirit of a punisher. I'm punishing you for something that I'm not happy about. That's not the spirit of Christ. That's not who lives on the inside of you. Who lives inside of you is a redeemer, one who's forgiving, who loves you unconditionally. And he's totally abolished uh, punishment. Totally abolished it. You're never going to get it from him. Listen, if you're still existing, if you're still experiencing in certain circles and camps punishment from people, it's because you're dealing with people who are powerless, who resort to punishment because they don't know who they are. And because they don't have tools and they don't understand how to, how to do anything other than punish. And that's really sad to say. And in that light, we can even pray for people when people begin to do that to us. Because we, we know if they really knew who they were and they really had a, uh, an understanding of their, their correct identity, that there's no way they could, they could do what they do. And that, I think that helps in, in a lot of ways. Helps us to understand sometimes people. You know, so when people when people hurt us, so when people hurt us, you know, and, and uh, they they use us and they slander us, and it's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Because people are people, and we all have the same opportunity to listen to the same deceiver and the same accuser. Okay? So it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. You know, what are we gonna do? You know, are we gonna take to social media? Are we gonna are we gonna lash back? Are we going to talk to people? Are we going to gossip? God, I get so sick of Facebook. I'm, I'm almost to the point, guys, I'm off of Facebook almost. Because I'm so sick of it. Because people use Facebook as a place to batter other people. And to punish them for their opinions and their views. And, and it's just not healthy. It's not healthy. We, we, what are we going to do when this stuff happens to us? You know, uh, because misinformation about us definitely feels unfair. When people say things about us in public circles that aren't true and are not correct, it feels massively like there's a massive injustice taking place. I've been there. I know most of you guys have been there. And it feels really unfair. I mean, super unfair. So, what, you know, what are you going to do? You've you got to stay above it. You've got to walk in extreme levels of honor knowing that God will reveal the truth to other people. You know, never give up on a relationship. Uh, never give up on a relationship and never just walk away for good. Don't, don't, just don't move past somebody and, and just move past them and never connect with them again. Even if there was a wrong or there was a, uh, there was a, there was a, you know, there was an injustice there or something. Don't just move past people because you're not doing yourself any favors. You're prolonging the inedible where you're going to have to, you're going to have to process through that thing sooner or later. And it's probably going to end up being with other people that weren't even a part of the original problem. Does that make sense? Yeah. Why? Because you did not know how to communicate. You were too, you allowed fear to grip you and you did not walk the extra mile and do due diligence and go in and sit down and communicate your heart to that person. This is how I experienced you. 
Do you know how many people do this all the time? They just move past somebody. And then we want to know why we're powerless in the body because we've just, we've thrown people to the side. We've discarded them. We can't do that. We have to go after relationship. It's, listen, it's the best thing. You're, listen, it's hard in the moment. And it's, I don't want to say the word, it sucks. It really does because it's painful. It's painful to sit across from another person and tell them how you've experienced them. It's painful to not know what, how they're going to react and what they're going to say to you. But it's massively necessary. Why? To keep your heart whole. Okay? You have to do this. you got to keep your heart whole. You, you can't give up on relationships. Now, I'm not telling you if you're in it. This does not even apply to abusive relationships. Things that are way out of control. There's still boundaries you can put down. All these different things. So there's some relationships that are not healthy for you to be in. But you still need to communicate to people to let them know and forgive them and release them so that you can move forward and not carry that baggage with you because it will affect you in other relationships. You know, boundaries were never meant to not have doors in them. People think a boundary means put up a, a 400 foot wall with no, no way to get over or through or under or anything. Ba healthy boundaries have doors in them. So that when you begin to communicate with one another and you begin to have high levels of, uh, of, of, uh, of honor and you begin to have high levels of respect, then you can open that door and you can start communicating again. That's why you have a door and a boundary. But you definitely need to have a boundary. I'm not saying you don't. And we'll talk about more about this stuff down the road when we get into keeping your love on. Matthew 5, 43 verses 45 says, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who use you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Man, that's, 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 a, that's a lot to swallow. You can't do this in the natural. This is only supernatural. This is only you living from a place of habitation between you and the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, you can't do this. Period. You cannot do it. If you're not secure in, the identity, in your identity as a new creation of a child of God, it will be almost impossible for you to, to adhere to this verse. Listen, uh, Dan McCollum says, we've all, he says, the devil has authority where you lack identity. The devil has authority wherever you lack identity. If you don't have an identity of a son or a daughter or a child of God, you're going to have an identity as an orphan. And what, how does an orphan react? How does an orphan respond? Like an orphan. How does a son of God and a child of God and a, and a daughter of God act? With, with confidence, with extreme levels of honor, extreme levels of value, with love towards other people because they know who their father is. You know, listen, we've all been in relationships that aren't healthy at some point in time. I mean, seriously, we all, we've all been there. And, um, you know, I've, it, it, this might sound really ridiculous and I'm saying this, but I've got four relationships right now that have not been restored. Four. Four. Now, there could be relationships that, somebody, that I don't know about that somebody else has got a, a beef with me that they've never told me, so I, I can't do anything about that. Only powerful people will have an opportunity to take responsibility of their own stuff. Some of these relationships that are not restored in my life right now were relationships from 15, 20 years ago that were 
at best, codependent relationships to start with. And codependent means that I'm codependent on them to fulfill my need in that relationship. Do you know the only person you're supposed to be codependent on is God? So if you, if you become a codependent person on another individual, you're setting yourself up for failure immediately. Because another person cannot meet your needs. They can try, but they're going to make mistakes, they're going to fall short, and they're not going to be perfect in it. You can't blame them for that. I mean, there's days I don't meet needs for Terry. There's days she doesn't meet needs, but she doesn't blame me for that. What is she, why? Because she has a relationship with the Father God. She goes to Him, and He meets those needs. Same for me. But you know, those codependent relationships can get really unhealthy. And I, I communicate in these relationships, hey, this is what's going on. I, you know, I've, opened, I've put a boundary down. Uh, you know, I'm giving you an opportunity for both of us to work this thing out. And you know, listen, powerful people can only take care of themselves. You cannot fix what somebody else is unwilling to look at or take care of. Amen. So I can move towards somebody in connection and relationship, but if they're running away from me, there's nothing I can do about that. All I can do is go, oh, well, that really stinks that they're running away from me because it kind of hurts my heart. But God, I'm going to give it back to you because you told me to do it. And I'm just going to pray that one day they'll be able to do it. Well, those four relationships that haven't been fixed, they haven't done it. But you know what? Every year, I send out a message to those four relationships and give them an opportunity to connect with me. And it, they, never, they never connect. And, and yeah, it hurts. But you know what? I'm okay with it because I know I've, I've done what God's asked me to do. I haven't moved past them and just totally forgotten about them. I've kept, that, I've kept an open door. But I can't control what they do. <laughs> you know, the root cause of wrong and hurtful behavior can actually be addressed and healed, but only when we choose to speak the truth in love rather than in fear and anger and punishment. Again, this takes two people being powerful, two people in relationship willing to sit down and work it out. One person who's not willing to do that, it screws up the whole thing. So you can't take ownership of it unless you're the person that's refusing to change. So don't get under condemnation if there's relationships that you're involved in right now that you can't fix because it takes two people to fix it. Really three. Because you got the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you and the other person. So we just, we just, we just move, we move forward. You know, Jesus told the disciples... Uh, you gotta, you got to forgive people seven times seven. And you know, the disciples said after that, Lord, help us. <laughs> help us. Help us. Our, help our, what did they say? They said, Lord, Lord, increase our faith. Well, I'd say it's a pretty big Jesus went over the top. He's like, I mean, how many times do we got to forgive people? A lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm playing with my younger son. There's some of the song he listens to. And that's all they say. A lot. <laughs> a lot. We have to forgive people a lot. But you know what? It's healthy. Yeah. And it's healthy for us. And, and, it, and, it, and it helps us manage our emotions. You know, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.13, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. He is Listen, he remains faithful even if we're unfaithful. Why? Because he cannot deny who he is. He cannot, even if you deny somebody else and you're not walking in love, he can't deny them. Why? Because he cannot deny who he is. He's love. So if he can do it and he's in you, you can do it. And he is faithful to do it in you. You just have to be willing 
to allow it to happen. Hebrews 12, 34. You know, have you ever reached a point in a relationship where you were just ready to give up? And I'm telling you, I have more than once. Uh, one particular in the last couple of years. But you know what? I read Hebrews 12, 3 and 4, and I'm like, bummer, man. This is not good for me, but this is what Jesus, he said, consider him that you will not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin. That's what they call it, sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Have I resisted to the point of shedding my blood yet in this relationship? No, I have not. Then what am I complaining about? I need to keep going. I need to keep going after it. Did I totally go out? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Somebody got another mic? You're on a roll, man. Just keep going. <laughs> Pause. Say hot. You had shed blood. I had shed blood. Thank you, Jesus. Had shed blood. So I, I didn't shed blood. So you know what? I in this situation with this relationship the last couple of years, and it's hot. Can you bring me down just a little bit, Tristan? <laughs> this relationship, I, there were so many times I wanted to give up. And I just like, oh man, this is just an injustice and this isn't fair and da 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 da, da and I'm just, I'm just tired of dealing with this. And You know, I, I wanted to make excuses and I was giving myself permission just to quit. And, uh, you know, I really feel like it was the Spirit of the Lord said, this isn't just going to affect you. This is going to affect your church, and this is going to affect future generations. I mean, that's pretty heavy. <laughs> They're rejoicing. So, God said, "This isn't going to just affect you. It's going to affect. It's going to affect your. It's going to affect your church. It's going to affect people. It's going to affect generations to come. Not only that, it was going to. It's going to affect my kids, my kids, my my physical kids. Uh, I went through this relationship, and I have turned a massive corner. And God has done miracles in this thing. Can't even begin to tell you. Uh, one day, I'll be able to share this testimony." Publicly, but I can't right now. But just absolutely turned a corner in this thing. And uh, God has been in the middle of every bit of it. And, you know, for a long time, I was the one moving towards and the other one was running. And then I kept going after it. And eventually, both sides came back together and went towards one another. Which is a beautiful thing. That's what you want. My, my son, he, he said to me the other day, he said, Dad, I'm really proud of you for keeping your love on. And, and forgiving. And that was, listen, let me tell you something. When you forgive people and you're willing to go the extra mile in honoring long-term relationships, you will give people in your life permission to forgive those same people. Because can I tell you, it's not if they're holding a grudge against that person. People who love you and who are part of your circle and know the injustice that you've received you're releasing them from trying to defend you. Because people that we're in relationship with, they're going to they're gonna be loyal to you. And if you don't forgive somebody and they see, they're going to model, they're gonna, you're going to imprint on them exactly 
what you, you know, that is not the right thing to do. And you give them permission to forgive. And to treat that person with the same dignity and respect and honor that they deserve to receive. Because of what? Because they're so special? No, because Jesus made them special. I'm not so special. What makes me special? Because Jesus made me special. By giving me his life and by dying on a cross for me. Listen, it's a big deal, man. We have got, we have got to get past this stuff. Don't give me all this spiritual mumbo-jumbo crap where you get people getting on Facebook. Oh, the devil's after me. And, you know, I need prayer warriors to start praying for me and praying against these evil people who are coming against me. The devil's just manipulating and using them. Look, we know all that. That's not, that's not no new news. The, the enemy is constantly trying to come after you because you're doing what you, he didn't want you to do. You're in the kingdom of light. He's in the kingdom of darkness. It says he is the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. It's not a newsflash. What is a newsflash is what are you going to do about it? Are you going to get on Facebook? Are you going to get on social media? Are you going to go around and tell people who's wronged you and who's done you wrong? Are you going to take ownership and be powerful and do something about it? There's a movie, uh, uh, Feel the Dreams. Everybody's saying it, right? Most people have said it. And uh, the whole pre preface of the movie, even though the dream part is huge about going after your dreams, that real story behind the story was forgiveness. Remember when he's sitting in the baseball, uh, baseball stadium with, uh, what's his name? James Earl Jones. And he's sitting there and he hears the voice. <laughs> Go the distance. Remember that? Yeah. He thought it meant something totally different. What it meant was go the distance with your forgiveness. Prepare your heart to go the distance in order to make this relationship right with his dad at the end of the movie. You guys remember that? Yeah. It's huge, man. It's huge. So I'm, I'm encouraging you today. Go the distance. Don't, don't back off. Don't give yourself an excuse. Don't give yourself permission to run away from a relationship. Of course, again, Unhealthy relationships, massively volatile relationships, that's a different story. We're talking about just general relationships across the board. Go the distance. Go the distance. Because I promise you, if you honor those relationships, they're going to become long-term relationships that are going to bring massive fruit. And they're going to produce massive things in your life that's going to bring such momentum to what God's called you to do. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website, 